Welcome to Latino Vote 21, a pop-up podcast from Gotham Gazette. I am Eli Valentin, a contributing Gotham Gazette columnist and political analyst. This podcast series accompanies my Gotham Gazette column series of the same name about the Latino vote and the con consequential 2021 New York City elections. My next column will provide some initial glimpses regarding the Latino vote in the mayoral election. While the certification of the primary elections is still pending, the Board of Elections has completed the counting of the ranked choice voting for citywide offices and city council elections. Based on the results, we are certain that the next city council class will have more women. In fact, for the first time in New York City history, the city council will be majority female. Many of those women are Latinas. On our last podcast, we interviewed one of them, Pierina Sanchez, who will represent the 14th Council District in the Bronx. And for this episode, we have another Bronx, Bronx site, and we're honored to have yet another Latina join us. Today, we have with us Marjorie Velasquez, who soon enough will be certified as the Democratic nominee for the city council seat left vacant by Mark Joni. Marjorie will be representing the 13th council district, which covers a number of neighborhoods in the Bronx, including Throgsneck, Van Nest, Westchester Square, Pelham Gardens, Pelham Bay, all in the Bronx. Marjorie is Bronx born and bred. She has been a Democratic district leader there since 2014, and she has an extensive record of community service, including serving on Community Board 10 and the boards of Amplify Her and the Broad Room, both of which are dedicated to empowering women. Marjorie's on the board of St. Joseph's School for the Deaf Children's Fund, the Bronx Westchester Advisory Board of Services for the Blind and Visually Impaired, and the Bronx River Alliance. Marjorie is also a graduate of NYU. Marjorie, it is so great to have you here for this latest podcast. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. We are just um, honored to have you. Uh, we are excited about uh, what you have accomplished. And uh, before we started recording, we shared a little bit about the, the historic significance of your victory. Um, in fact, you are the first Latina to win the Democratic nomination in this district. So indeed, your victory is historic and significant uh, for many reasons. So congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. It means the world to me. <laughs> it, it like, um, I'm still like in shock over everything. I'm still like processing feelings over it. Um, but it is a huge uh, win and and it's a it's a win for our community, right? It's a, uh, I'd love to take credit for it, but that, that's not who I am. It's a we thing, right? Um, I had so many great folks within the community uh, supporting me along the way, right? Um, the ones that encouraged me to run again and certainly the ones that were hitting the pavement as hard as they were, making sure that family, friends knew whether they were sharing it on socials and whether they were text banking, phone banking, or even door knocking. Um, just being a part of this um, belongs to them as well. This is a we win. And certainly uh, for our community, um, knowing that everyone um, was involved, it means the world to me. It really does. Well, you did a fantastic job. You ran in 2017, um, and it was an impressive showing. You took on uh, the incumbent, 
at the time. And and now there were several people, several candidates on the ballot. And and yet you won with an I mean, it was an overwhelming majority. So um, clearly um, there, there was uh, there was something to your candidacy, your race. And I'm wondering um, what, what do you believe was uh, what, what struck voters in, in this election that made them say, you know what, we like this Marjorie? What, what do you think? What was the connection there? Well, 2017, it was also an open seat. Uh, at that time, it was ah. Councilmember Jonah, I, I, Councilmember Vaca, who right. had um, been term limited out. And um, right. at that point in time, um, now Councilmember Jonah had spent, uh, I believe, over a million dollars. Our race in 2017 was the most expensive city council race to history. And it still is, right? Um, it, you know, it was over a million dollars spent. Um and we came close. We came really, really close. And what um, we like to say is that it showed many things, right? It showed that the community was looking um, to a younger, diversified representation, um, that we cracked the ceiling, if you will, and that it um, definitely that ceiling was shattered by uh, State Senator Biagi when she won, and so as well as uh, Congresswoman Ocasio Cortez, right? Um, and it is about uh, our message has always been about having a voice, having a presence, and having a seat at the table, all from our community, right? It it's it, it sounds cliche, but it's for us by us, right? Um, and. It's certainly what we want to keep going, right? As we knocked on doors, yes, we made sure in 2017, um, we were like, look, yes, we want your vote and your support, but more importantly, we want your engagement. Um, however this ends up, we want you to know that we are here for you and we would like to work with you going forward, um, however the results come out, right? Um, and certainly we kept true to that message, right? Um, we um, did not win in 2017, but we did keep on engaging folks. We did keep on having a presence, right? And we did keep on inviting people to the table because that's the only way that we fight our biggest enemy, which is apathy, right? Yeah. We want folks to know that you do have a seat at this table. You do have a voice, but we need to hear you. We need to have you be a part of this right and we do not w want you to ever feel excluded or that we don't care we do care and that's why we are knocking at the doors right and so 2020 came and COVID hit hard especially in the Bronx and um, as we were out there uh, we had multiple things to do right um, our campaign launched effectively in August of 2020. But what uh, we were doing, right, me and several volunteers early on when COVID hit was making sure that folks didn't feel alone. Right. Um, and something as isolating as COVID was, it, it, it presented several challenges. Right. One, how do we make sure that our essential workers felt um, respected, dignified, um, and that their work was 
going noticed, right? That we were here for them as much as they were here for us, right? Like they were frontline workers. They carried a lot of weight on them. And how do you show them the respect, the support, right? So we came up with many different ways of doing that. Um, you know, bringing them lunch, bringing them dinner, certainly um, like bringing them messages, right? So there was like an opportunity where we just had this whole like, what do you want to tell our nurses? What do you want to share with folks in a, in a meaningful manner um, that you want one-on-one? So we had folks just like record private messages, whether it was like text messages, whether they were video audio and just sending it to them private because we need to keep our morale, right? Um, mm-hmm. Certainly on tough times, tough days, we need to know that, you know what? It's not going unnoticed, right? It, it is going up in um, the, 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 the environment and that we can continue building up. Yeah. Well, that you, you've done incredible work. Uh, you, you, the folks know you, you've been underground, um, and uh, people, it, your your work and your candidacy did not go unnoticed. Um, I I would recommend for folks that are listening, you can uh, read more about Marjorie at, uh, on her website m velas m v e l a z dot n y c, and and her bio is just incredible. Just shows the kind of work that um, she's been doing on the ground there for so many years, Marjorie. Before we recorded, we in our own conversation, we spoke about uh, some of the changes that have been happening in the 13th Council District. Um, and it, it is really an interesting district with an interesting history. Again, you are the first Latina to win uh, the Democratic nomination. So again, uh, history has been made. Um, and now th- there's been so many demographic changes. You, you've been in that uh, community, in that district for a long time. So I'm wondering if you can give our listeners a, a little bit of an idea of what's been happening there over the last few decades, because I think that in some ways sheds light as to what has transpired now and, and will shed light as to the significance of, of this victory. Certainly. Um, I could give you even uh, some context about me and my family, right? Uh, my aunt uh, had uh, moved in from Italy with her husband, who's Italian, right? Uh, my family is Puerto Rican. Um, and so they had moved into the uh, part of the district called Indian Village. Um, and so they had a home there. Um, my cousins were raised there and it provided an opportunity for my dad and my grandfather to move in uh, from Puerto Rico. And so that was the first step, right? This district is so meaningful to me because it gave my dad and my grandfather that opportunity, right? That first um, step to stay here. And, you know, my dad actually at the other part of the district, City Island, uh, worked at Johnny's Reef selling like fried frog legs. So it, it it's very meaningful, right? Um, they were one of the few Puerto Ricans that lived in the district at that time. Um, and now it's different, right? Uh, now we have a higher uh, concentration of Latinos in the district. Um, and, you know, for me, if you ask me um, how it means the world to me, right? Like this district means the world to me on a personal level because it gave me and my family um, the first shot um, of being here. And, you know, as we're welcoming more and more uh, folks from diverse backgrounds, whether it be from Albania, from Bangladesh, um, 
we are making sure that we're providing that same opportunity, right? When we're saying a home to all, it really is the home to all. And my family is a living proof of the opportunities and what happens with those opportunities and and now coming full circle and representation and how much it, it means to me and my family the world, um, the absolute world. And, um, and, and sort of that, um, historic context, um, you know, I wish my grandparents were here alive to see it. Right. Uh, you know, the, the granddaughter of, uh, Norberto and Maria and Sara and Pacheco, right. Um, this one, this person right here, this little one, um, is the uh, first one. Yeah absolutely the best feeling ever. Um, and I'm looking forward uh, to carrying that on and making sure that all communities uh, know that feeling um, and we share this together, right? Um, and making sure that with this diversity that we not only show it within our communities, but now that the citywide is going to see um, it's a huge thing um, and working towards creating an atmosphere that's more acceptable. And, and, and you know, sometimes the biggest fear from folks when uh, newcomers come in, right, is not knowing. Right. Um, and I hope that folks have an opportunity to get to know me and my family a lot better and understand the different families uh from the different countries that do, they do come, that there is a common ground that we do have an ability to learn and expand our knowledge about other cultures um, entirely, right? And that that is what New York City is made of. When we're talking about New York strong, it's the beautiful mosaic, as David Dinkins put um, out there, where we are uh, one of the most diverse cities in the world. And it's a beautiful feeling and, and knowing that we can speak so many languages about each other and share um, common goals and opportunities to build us up, right? So when we're focusing on how do we recover, um, part of the recovery process from this pandemic is understanding um, our humanity and understanding our responsibility for each other as neighbors and taking the time out to learn, right? Um, even as Latinos, right? I, uh, I'm Puerto Rican, and I certainly still have a lot more to learn from Colombians, right? Um, from Peruvians, right? Not every Latino comes from just um, one country or another, and our experiences are diverse, but there's an ability to just sit down and, 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 and learn from each other. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's it, that's a great point. You know, as you mentioned, your grandparents and by name, um, and and I can just imagine how you feel that that you, you know, the the granddaughter, right, of of those grandparents and and the significance, right, of that migratory experience and and what Puerto Ricans had to go through, right, uh, coming into a new place, um, a new language. Et cetera, et cetera, and a new culture. Uh, my parents were part of that 1950s uh, uh, migration of Puerto Ricans. They went to El Barrio, East Harlem, and and they share. They have shared with me the difficulties of uh, just you know experiencing a new reality. And here you are, um, the first Latina nominee. Democratic nominee in this council district, right, that has experienced all these uh, demographic changes. And, you know, you're part of a larger history because, or 
you may be, we, uh, as you pointed out to me before uh, our session began, you do have a Republican challenger. Um, we, we expect that you will be the winner, we shall see, but um, that's the expectation. And the likelihood is you will join a class, a city council class that for the first time uh, will see um, a majority of the legislators that are female uh, 29, 29. And I mean, that is more than half of the city council. There are 51 council members. So uh, again, um, not, I was going to say Latinas, but females will be um, the majority. So that is incredible. And you're part of that. And uh, so I'm wondering, um, because when we look at the Latino or Latino political representation, we're seeing more and more women. Um, not that it's something unique. I, I think what's unique is the amount of Latinas that have been elected. Uh, but for some time, you know, uh, our communities have elected women. I can think of Olga Mendez, uh, Olga Mendez in East Harlem. Um, in the late 70s, she was elected. She was the first uh, Puerto Rican woman to be elected to a state legislature. Um, I can think of Nidia Velasquez, um, first in the city council then in Congress, and, and, and we will have to now speak about Marjorie Velasquez as the first Latina in the 13th Council District in the Bronx. Uh, so there is a propensity to e elect women, Latinas, right, um, into office. So I'm just wondering, what, what's your take about this? I mean, it, it looks like Latino voters, whether Latinos or Latinas, they have no problems voting for women. Um, and, and I say that because, right, the perception has been that our culture is very, and, and it is, now, we, we can't deny this, uh, very machista, right? Um, and, and sexism permeates, right, our, our upbringing. And, and that's something that cannot be discarded. However, uh, again, we're seeing um, an increase in Latina representation. I think that's a great thing. So I, I'm just wondering if you have some perspective about the significance of Latinas being elected into office. Certainly, um, there's been a lot of work to have women representation, right? Um, this is why groups like 21 and 21 were formed, Amplify Her, The Broad Room. These were groups, uh, and certainly this is why I decided to join them, um, because there um, was a need for representation, for female representation, because at one point, I believe it was going to hit even single digits within the council, right? So now you tell me, in 2017, if I thought that in 2021, we would see a majority victory of 29 women potentially going into city council for the legislature in 2022, amazing. Just simply amazing, right? And so when we're talking about representation and having more women in office, um, the work that it does take, right? And, I, and I'd like to emphasize, um, there is this saying where it takes women about seven times to be asked uh, to run for office. So what I ask is if from any of your listeners, if you know of a woman who is interested in running, ask and ask again. 
ask her and ask again. And if you believe right now in a woman who is running for office, then do everything in your power to get her elected, which means yes, text banking, yes, phone banking, yes, knocking on doors, yes, throwing fundraisers, yes, sharing their stuff on social media, because that's what it takes, right? Um, It's one thing to ask, but then you need to follow up with those asks. And believing in women means actually playing a meaningful part in their run, right? And and what we saw definitely stems off, I'd like to say, from the 2016 elections, right? Uh, with what we saw in the federal level with Hillary, Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump, right? And it, you know, we had the Women's March. We had um, more involvement with organizations that really did focus on having um municipal um, elections and and their impacts and and, and educating voters on how crucial and how important it is to get uh, involved on the local level. Sure, we talk about federal, but what are we doing on the local level? And groups like 21 and 21 were like that. Groups like Amplify Her, groups like The Broad Room have focused on uh, things like that, right? Uh, For me, it was having these groups not only um, provide that support system, but it's also that sisterhood, if you would, right? Um, Having the amount of mentors that I've had, having the ability um, to call folks uh, when I need help, right? Um, And sometimes, literally, it is, hey, I'm just having a rough day, right? So one of my sisters um, is uh, the one that you spoke with earlier about, uh, Pirina. Um, It was, you know, her first time here in 2021 running and just me being able to share with her my experiences, right? Um, sometimes when you're running for office, you're so stuck in your head that, you know, you put a lot of doubts, right? And so it is taking that moment and saying, no, that's just noise. Get rid of that noise and let's focus on what needs to get done, right? And having someone to balance you out, right? So it was me having that opportunity to work with Virina, but then me having Diana Ayala literally saying the same thing to me, right? It's mm. it was it's that sisterhood that we're talking about that we've been able to build. And right, and now if you look at the Bronx, look how many women, women of color are gonna represent the Bronx in the city council, right? This Bronx delegation um, is so unique and strong and it's so beautiful. Um, And when we're looking at creating pathways, I hope that this actually starts off something else, right? That when we're looking at the state legislature, that we also have these pathways and these pipelines for folks. When we're looking at other avenues, right? When we're talking about um, the judiciary, right? When we're talking about getting our judges there um, and the importance of having judges um, that uh, are from our communities representing us on the bench, it's also crucial and important. So my advice to folks, get involved, right? And if politics is, 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 I hate to use the word scary, but if it's not something that you want to get necessarily involved in, but you still want to be involved in local government, then please join your community board. That is the most basic and important function. Also, if you're called to jury duty, please go. It's very vital that we have you on that um, because it's just this is how our government works and we need you to play a part in it. Um, and, you know, it, it, it's it's there for a reason and we need to make sure that we are present because that is where we need to like focus. Right. Um, 
being on jury duty, being our community board, signing up for it, um, and making sure that that's on the government side. On the political side, the most basic joining uh, for us, it's uh, county committees. In the Bronx, it's next year, so I would uh, ask folks just join, uh, reach out to the Bronx Democratic Party and, and and find a way to get involved in that way too, right? Um, it's not just talking about it, it's being about it. And, and we really need to focus in making sure that our communities understand that there is a value, that they are A, welcomed, that they do have a voice. Um, and it's kind of our core mission. Yes, it, yes, it is. Um, and, and just to again mention the the importance of the, histor- the historic nature of this election cycle um, and, and thinking about women. Vanessa Gibson wins the uh, Democratic nomination for the Bronx yes. Borough Presidency. <laughs> um, this is, I believe, the first time that a that a woman is elected woman. to the office. So that's, a woman and a woman of color. It's, and it, a woman it, of color. That's historic. Yeah. She's like the first black person and the first woman. Yes. Yes. Incredible. Incredible. What's happening. Um, I'm thinking what's next is because when I think about the mayoral race right now, I'm thinking executive office uh, of the, the top three finalists, right? Two were women, Maya Wiley, Catherine Garcia. Um, so I think there there's something happening. However, we still haven't had a female mayor, um, or at the governor's level, we level we've never had um, a female there. So I, I'm wondering whether um, the electorate will will continue what is already happening and and look at the executive office as as another place, right, where where women can definitely uh, affect positive change. So uh, things are happening. Twenty nine of the 51 council members, again, are, are will be women. And um, this this is definitely a, a historic moment. I'm going to end, uh, Marjorie, but I just want to ask you one last thing. I'm sure that the residents of the 13th council district will be um, uh, interested to know what your uh, response to this will be. But if we can speak of a first 100 days um, in your council term, what would that look like? Uh, so what, what are some of the issues that you think um, will resonate more in your district? What are those issues that that really um, need to be tackled? So when we're looking at District 13, certainly we are a transit starved uh, district, right? Um, so it is working within the community to make sure that we have meaningful uh, mass, mass transit, right, uh, that we are we are, while well, this year we're going to receive another ferry service, it's that we're exploring throughout the district what other ferry service we can uh, ha- implement, right? We're also looking at select bus service. How can we make the commute uh, easier for our families? Also, when we're looking at our trains, making sure a, um, that we have accessibility within our train stations, right? We're expecting a uh, elevator within Westchester Square station. Where else can we go ahead and look at it uh, within our district to make sure that we're also accessible to all, right? Um, and so transit is definitely one, transit transportation, uh, making sure our families have a way um, to make it into the city that it's not, um, that it's easier, <laughs> you know, we shorten the wait times, but it's also affordable. Uh, when we're looking at uh 
bigger, broader things. It's uh, jobs, right? Uh, job creation, careers, right? Um, that we have, that we not only create, but we save within the district. Um, and yes, we are going to receive um the Metro North expansion within our district, what does that look like and how can uh, we create meaningful job opportunities, uh, not only through the construction process, but certainly afterwards? And um, what does that look like? What does that engagement look like? And, and certainly having those conversations throughout our communities and expressing what the needs are throughout. Um, it is an open conversation and we have to make sure that we are putting community input throughout the process. And lastly, uh, COVID, right, is leaving us with so many different implications. And uh, there is such thing as COVID long haul. And when we're trying to say, you know, hey, this is the resources we've had and we've employed throughout the um, pandemic, what can we save, right, for our communities? How can we deliver and reach folks um, throughout the district uh, that don't have um, the proper healthcare facilities, right? So um, mobilizing the mobile units throughout the district, uh, making sure that we're checking in um, and doing uh, general wellness checks uh, for our communities, uh, making sure that we're also reaching out to folks uh, for mental health treatment, right? Um, giving uh, folks an opportunity to talk about what traumas they faced, uh, certainly uh, through the pandemic and how we can uh, work on this together and, and respecting their privacy in doing so. Um, and, you know, and hopefully uh, one of like the bigger, broader projects that we are trying to accomplish is creating a, a women's health, a women and children's health center within the Bronx that we have not had. Um, and it's really just, that's one of the things that we need to focus on as well, right? We are one of the highest in uh, maternal mortality and uh, we need to fix that. We need to make sure that we are protecting um, our women and kids and, and their health care and um, our families certainly deserve it. You know, as you as you spoke, Marjorie, I, I can't help but think uh, about the quality of of elected officials that we have um, in our Latinx neighborhoods. Um, I, I've been an observer of Latino, not just an observer, I'm more of an observer now as a participant, as a, as a, as a consultant for a number of years. And, and now I'm doing more analytical work. But, um, so, but I, I've, I've been around for some time and, and I've noticed uh, some generational shifts happening when it comes to um, Latinx political representation. And I have to say that the, the current crop is is an amazing crop when when we look at academic preparation when we look at community participation uh when we look at uh activism when we look at passion uh when we look at ability uh the interest in policy and and even interest in expounding on policy and 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 articulating policies in a, in a way that's understandable to our folk and I have to say, I'm, I'm really impressed. And, and you are one of the reasons, Marjorie, that I am impressed 
um, you uh, clearly have a grasp at uh, of what's happening there on the ground, a passion uh, to better your community. And, and I'm certain that the folks of the 13th Council District will be well served uh, with you there as their next council member. So we wish you much success. Um, and we look forward to seeing what's in store for you, but also for all of us. Um, you know, you represent the 13th Council District, but but you also represent a, a broader public. And, and we are excited to see what will happen and what will transpire. And the, the last thing I was saying, of course, I have to say this, but, you know, you mentioned uh, City Island and your, your father worked at Johnny's Reef. And I, and, I, and I got to thinking that, you know, your district has to be one of the districts with some of the best restaurants, right? I mean, there, there's so much variety, so much great stuff there. So if, if you want good food, I definitely recommend visit any place <laughs> in the 13th Council District. <laughs> so. Thank you. No, we uh, part of our uh, showcase of our district is definitely um, and uh, we are in the works of doing a um, food tour because I am a foodie. Uh, I love my district because of, of the um, options that we have. And certainly yeah. uh, City Island has a great choice of seafood, obviously, um, but they also have great uh, Italian-American uh, yes. food as well. So, yeah, yeah, no, uh, I've you know, we're, we're going to get out there. So we will be happy to share with you and you can probably join us uh, on our food tour. I have to, uh, you please invite me. I'll, I'll be there. I'll be there. But uh, Marjorie, I'm honored that you uh, were able to join us. Um, and we thank you for uh, sharing your experiences and a, a little bit of your vision. And as I said, we look forward to, to uh, seeing your work and um, into the future. Um, it is a bright one. And again, we wish you much, much success. Uh, listeners, folks out there, we continue to interview uh, incoming Latino uh, city council members. Um, it hasn't been certified yet, but we are getting there. We're almost there. And next, and next for our next episode, uh, Marjorie, we're actually going to have uh, one of your future colleagues, Sean Abreu, who will represent the seventh council district. Uh, and he just won there in a field of 12, I believe there were 12 candidates on the ballot in that district. And uh, Sean will be joining us next time. So a lot of great things happening. We are excited to see what is occurring uh, it, uh, within Latino political representation. The future indeed looks bright. Marjorie, thank you again. And we thank all our listeners for joining us. Until next thank time. Thank you. Glad to say it. Cuídense. Igualmente. Bye. Bye-bye.